Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you the most topical energy matters in an informal setting. Well, today we're actually at the E-World Trade Fair in Essen and listeners, if you've ever wondered what the energy system of the future will look like, well then it's your lucky day because we've got representatives of the most exciting dynamic companies out there, or some of them anyway. So I'd like to warmly welcome Jan Engenfort from uh, Next Kraftwerke. Welcome, Jan. Thank you. Richard Sarti from Nodes. Welcome to you, Richard. Thank you. And Matthias Dilte from Sonnen. Welcome to you, Matthias. I'd like to start really by asking uh, you, Jan and, and Matthias, there's been a lot of discussions in Germany around the around the coal exit. How do you view the discussions at the moment and, and, and where do you think this will end up? Do you think they're likely to cut coal faster than they have announced or what are your expectations here? I mean, not being in the coal business ourselves, it's just uh, something that I would speculate on. But what we are seeing in the market, as everyone else, of course, is that coal has been declining anyway last year, especially lignite. So the question is, do we really need to buy them out anymore? Or, uh, will the market do, the, do it uh, on itself? We don't have the answer. Uh, we will see what's going to happen. Uh, so there is also the chance, of course, that coal will stay online longer than it would need to just because they know they will get uh, a payoff to to be phased out by the government instead of by the market. What's your view here, Matthias? Do you think the market would have seen the phase out anyway? Well, yes, I think uh, this would have happened anyway, but now it's uh, there is a clear schedule for it. Uh, to me, the most important fact is now that in the political discussion and, and in the media, there's a lot of talking about the, the phase out, phase out of nuclear, phase out of coal now. To me, the most important point would be that we talk about phasing in new capacity mm. because we need a lot of new capacity to compensate that. Mm. And in the end, we should have one integrated system. So not a system of renewable power plus system based on fossil fuels as a backup, so to say. That wouldn't be a, a proper market. So how do you propose that certainly Germany or the wider European market, how, how should they phase in renewables? I think for, for Germany especially we need, a, we need a clear and consistent path for building up new capacities in the renewable sector. And, and there's some political hurdles currently, you know, about the 52 gigawatt cap, for example, for the PV systems. Things like that are really not helpful. So we need the commitment to increase the renewable capacity and we need a clear plan to have re reliability for the market. Dropping the 52 gigawatt cap would be one way. What do you think, Jan? Do you, do you share that? Definitely. We, uh, I like the, the phrase of phasing in, definitely, yeah. uh, because um, I completely agree. Um, we are running two separate systems right now in Germany. We do have a new renewable energy-based system in a way and we do still have the old ways of, uh, uh, of producing energy with uh, conventional power plants and also in the regulatory arena, let's say, we still see that, especially when we're talking about flexibility markets later on probably, um, mm. we see some progress that's been made to develop new kinds of, of regulatory schemes to enhance the deployment of, for example, flexibility of renewables, etc. Definitely. But we still see a lot of the old regulation that's still favoring uh, baseload capacity, for example. That's still, I mean, that doesn't work with a, uh, you don't need baseload when you're talking about um, an energy system based on renewables like solar and wind that's becoming, uh, that are becoming more and more cheap. So uh, we need some new paradigm also in the regulatory world 
so that that regulation that still is not up to date anymore gets kicked out basically and right now we are running as i said before two systems parallel basically which is by the way expensive as well <laughs> what's your view here richard about this a regulatory environment what would you like to see to further boost the growth of renewables into sort of markets, the flexibility markets and, and the products that, that, that Nodes offers? We see that uh, regulation is moving at different pace uh, across Europe. We've been looking at the UK market, for instance, and that's been very progressive in this area. But Germany seems to be at the other end of the spectrum in that front, where their focus is more about building out network operations rather than actually managing flexibility and, and, and capacity. So markets are moving at different pace. This makes it challenging to identify sort of new solutions, new parameters in which markets should operate under. So we are looking at how to engage with government regulators uh, in order to sort of put forward our proposals, our concepts, uh, which is really about sort of trying to unlock the flexibility at the local level, working with the DSOs or the DNOs as they become DSOs, um, and then trying to actually create a real value for flexibility at the local market, but then also allowing it to integrate across the market, all the way up into the wholesale area. So, so yeah, so we're seeing pr progress, but as ever, progress is never fast enough. Okay. And do the regulators and the DSOs and these, these market participants that you mentioned, do they have a willing ear? I think that the clean energy package, I should say, has caused people to listen because of the directive within that about creating flexibility markets. But I think that the question is how they interpret that and how they choose to roll it out is the real challenge. And as I say, we're seeing progress in some areas and slow progress in our others. Working with the DSOs initially is the main objective from our perspective because they're the ones that are trying to manage the network. And hopefully through that, we bring in the flex providers and then try and create that market for them ultimately. We'll come back to flexibility markets and how, how the market is, is changing in that way. But Matthias, if I could just stay with the regulatory side of things, what would be on your, if I say the regulatory wish list? You know, what would you, you know, most want from, from the regulators or, or the policy side of things? Well, in general, I would be happy if uh, especially households and residential sector would be more in the focus because uh, I think there's a big potential. I have a number in mind that the German regulators told about 8 to 10 gigawatts of home batteries in 2030, what is expected. And that's a huge capacity and it would be a pity not to use that capacity. And it's, a, it's, it's decentralized flexibility. We do a lot of projects, a lot of effort to, to show, to prove that this flexibility can be used, especially in projects with DSOs and TSOs. But the regulatory framework is not there for these small units to really properly take part in that. Mm. Although the clean energy package that um, Richard mentioned had a lot about flexibility and about presumers, is that helpful? Uh, well, I would say it's um, on, a, on a European level, it, there's a very clear focus on that which is good mm. but in Germany I still miss the full commitment yeah mm. so I would be happy that the direction from Europe is more rolled out to the, to the to German uh, regulatory situation so you'd agree with Rich in the sense that they need to be they need to speed up they need to of keep course. pace with the markets yeah. yeah sure yeah if we talk about the flexibility and how it affects your companies because I think um, maybe some of the listeners aren't quite aware of for example what what Sonnen does so maybe in a few words could you explain Matthias sure I mean our main task is to um, provide customers a solution which is more than just buying a PV system plus a battery. So of course customers are interested to 
push the energy transition forward. They want to be independent. They want to increase their self-consumption. So they do a very important step. But for us, it's key to not only provide this hardware, mm -hmm. but at the same time to show how, how smartly the devices can be used. And uh, that's why we do a lot of projects and do what we call the, the Sonnen VPP to help stabilizing the grid by, for example, doing primary reserve control in, in, in Germany. But of course, we focus other products as well. So especially we think on the local level, there will be in the future, there will be a big need for decentralized flexibility where it really matters where exactly are the, are the units. Mm. And that's where our customers, because it's a lot of them, they are spread all over the country, all over the world, where we are very uh, in, a, in a very good position to provide that. But, as I said, um, we can show that it works technically. Mm. The framework and kind of a flexibility market is not yet there. When you're saying 8 to 10 gigawatts of potential flexibility yeah. out there, I mean, that's enormous. That's, you know, 10 nuclear reactors in a sense. So how about you, Jan? Could you explain a little bit about what, what Next does and how it offers the flexibility it offers? So Next Rafake is the operator of a uh, large-scale virtual power plant. Just like Sonnen, we are in the business of being an aggregator to get flexibility for energy markets from decentralized units. We have networked uh, around 7,500 megawatts already and we use that capacity to kind of squeeze out the flexibility from it and uh, we have a couple of thousand megawatts basically that we tender on short-term reserve markets for TSOs in different European countries. Um, also for um, an optimized dispatch on, on wholesale markets. So we are networking not households like Sonnen, for example, um, but more the generation uh, side of distributed energy sources. So wind, solar, but especially flexible, dispatchable sources like hydro and bioenergy, etc. Um, and also dispatchable um, consumers, flexible consumers, but large um, in C and I, commercial and industrial consumers. That uh, ha has been fun over the last couple of years. I'm sure. Uh, and uh, we are now looking forward to finding new markets to deploy that flexibility to, basically. I mean, your home market is Germany, and is there, there's still room yeah. to, 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 to grow there? In, in, uh, in Germany? Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at flexibility prices on the German market, uh, there is not that much music, let's say, right now. So we see overcapacities. Uh, on flexibility markets in Germany. If you're looking at balancing reserve markets from the TSOs, uh, for example. And then again, we do see a lot of progress, let's say, of potential in energy trading per se. So our, for example, our PV portfolio is growing daily. So we are already today, we are the largest PV trader in Germany um, and also the largest bioenergy trader in Germany. So uh, there will be new capacity on the PV side that needs someone to to uh, balance and to network and to trade and to forecast that that's, uh, PV electricity. But one focus definitely of our company is uh, right now in the international business, business. So we see a lot of interest worldwide in setting up VPPs and setting up virtual power plants. So we are offering our VPP as a service solution to basically everyone who wants to build up a, a virtual power plant. And we are not necessarily being the ones then in other countries setting up or running the system uh, in a way that we have the contract with the customer, that we are bidding into the markets ourselves, but we are providing the, technolo the technology for third parties to use, basically. And Richard, how, where does Nodes fit in, in here? Are you the one sort of piecing these, these kind of players, putting them together? How, how yeah, does this work for, for you guys? Absolutely. So uh, the concept of Nodes is to create a, uh, a localized marketplace to trade flexibility. And that marketplace needs to be independent. Mm. So um, 
and that provides a sort of a transparent arrangement for uh, market participants to, to come to market, alleviate some of the constraints in areas, um, provide value to flexibility in those areas of constraint. I mean, we believe that uh, in order to move towards a more sustainable future, localized markets is the way to go in order to unlock that um, the value of that flexibility but also to help um, defer grid investment capital expenditure uh, large capital expenditure projects um, with grid operators um, rather than just building out more capacity which we've done historically is better utilize the availability in in those areas and the concept of nose was born out of exactly that alleviating sort of a, a, a grid constraint in a small area of Kristiansand in southern Norway um, where we managed to defer about five million euros of, uh, of investment by sort of unlocking that, um, that flex in the area. So the concept is sort of is proven and um, we see now that with companies um, like we have here today with virtual power plants and aggregators different types of flex providers and the rise of the prosumer that these markets are going to become much more important um, in order to drive towards, if we're to achieve these goals that are being set around sustainability and, and the transition away from a, a carbon-based economy. It's not so much about building new, new capacity or new wires, it's about making use of what's already there in the most flexible way possible. Is that uh... Absolutely, and, and this has huge positives for consumers because ultimately they're not footing the bill for these um, capital-intensive uh, capital projects. It's good for government as well because it's actually utilising um, the market more efficiently uh, and it also brings in new players, new technology, which ultimately is going to be the catalyst that drives us towards this more sustainable future. Absolutely. Is, would you agree with that, uh, Matthias? Well, it's. I think both. We need a new capacity as well, especially in Germany. We, we talked about the... The, the coal phase-out and the, the nuclear phase-out before, and it, it's clear that we need new capacity, especially in the residential sector. I think there is still a lot of room, but it's yes, it's the market integration of, uh, of assets and it's uh, the flexibility which is key there, because as I said before, uh, the, the point is to come to, a, to an in integrated system in, in, in the end, where the flexibility is part of the system. Mm. And um, it's always good to use what uh, what is all already there, but mm. I think that's not sufficient. Yeah. Okay, you need you need yeah. additional capacity, sure. or additional yeah. grids. In terms of what you offer the market, I mean, is there is a direct challenge to the established suppliers in Germany? Is it not? I mean, if we look at say twenty, thirty years down the line, I mean, will we all just be you know operating with a local grid, with a PV and, and a battery, maybe in a in a car? I mean, there, will there be no no need for big centralized units anymore? Well, that's a good that's a good good question. I, th I think there is a fundamental change in the energy system, and of course, it's getting more and more decentralized. I don't believe it will be in the end, it will just be fully decentralized. There will be some units, some bigger units still. Mm. But of course, it's a fundamental shift. And um, I think we are currently in a phase where, where you are in the middle of this change. Yeah? The, mm. the traditional big plants are leaving the market more and more. And um, they have to be re replaced. Um, and to, to our opinion, it's really a good idea to be uh, pretty much focused on these decentralized assets because given the, the huge um, range of options, how to, how to use it, how to use it in a very local way, 
that's really interesting for the future because I think it will not be anymore the only key to stabilize the grid on a high level, talking about the frequency, for example, but it will be more, more and more local. If you talk about uh, charging of electric vehicles and, and things like that, it uh, can go down to very specific local areas. Mm. And there, I think it's helpful to have decentralized assets. A few years ago, uh, blockchain was a massive hyped uh, concept. But still, still, <laughs> exactly. But you, you worked with it. Could you say, uh, say what, what blockchain means to Sonnen? Yeah, it's a great technology and it's offering the, the, the chance uh, to, to have a huge scale up and to, to automate things and to handle a, a large amount of small units. Mm. We did projects uh, using blockchain technology and we are still in. Uh, it's quite normal that the, the hype is, uh, so to say, over the top now. Yeah, that's true. But it's kind of normal if you look at the typical curves, how this mm. works. Then it's normal to have a certain cool down before you reach a plateau of productivity in a mm. way. Yeah? That mm. you really see the technology being used yeah, mm. and that's I think where we are going to, and we are very interested in these uh, in these projects. We will push them forward, and uh, to me, um, yes, it may be not the same hype, mm. but it's now getting more and more real. Jan, would you agree with with Matthias here that, that we are, you know, it's becoming more local? We are definitely become. We need to become more local. I think if you're looking at uh, German flexibility markets today, you you will see that on the top top-down approach basically you will see that the most mature markets and you mentioned that earlier as well Matthias is that um, the TSO markets let's say the control reserve balancing energy markets they are already pretty open to new players to aggregators and by the way aggregators already have a substantial market share there and then you, if you're looking further down to the wholesale market to uh, let's say spot markets etc there we see still some roadblocks uh, not uh, by the markets themselves, but uh, by things like uh, the huge amount of surcharges on the energy price that makes it not a very good incentive, basically, to to, to use it for flexibility. So let me make an example. If we go to a to a uh, uh, let's say a steel mill or a water company uh, that, that utilizes a lot of pumping that could be flexibilized, and we are telling them, okay, we could save you up to 20 or 30 percent of your energy costs. Basically, they say, oh. 20-30% of my energy costs, that's great. But then we say, okay, but only on the energy price, right? You know, yeah, from the wholesale market energy price, not what you're paying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, they say, okay, but now I have, still have 15 cents or whatever that I pay uh, to uh, to the DSO, to the government, or whatever. You know what I mean? So, um, all, the, all the levies and... and all the, the levies and the grid the charges fees, yeah. and, yeah. So, um, the, the, the price signal doesn't really get through, let's say. Um, and then we have the local level where we have a lot of potential. I completely agree. Also on the generation side, on a small scale or medium scale generation side and on a larger scale con consumer side. But we do not have any markets at all uh, except for uh, some very good first, let's say, tests uh, <laughs> to establish something like that. But um, for a private company like ours, we, we need to make money somehow. And there, are, there is no market where we can bid into, basically. Our control system doesn't care. You know, if we tell our control system bid into the TSO zone uh, of Tenet or bid into the DSO zone of whatever, it doesn't really make a difference. I mean, you have to upgrade it, of course. You, uh, it's not something that you do in two seconds, but it's completely feasible. It's no, no problem. But there is no price signal from the DSO level coming into our, let's say, uh, virtual power plant right now. And this should change, definitely, so that we can use the flexibility on the local level to 
uh, minimize the costs for grid extension, etc. So what we think in general is there will be a merit order of flexibility, just like we have a merit order of capacity right now. And in the future, when we when we are looking at solar and wind that are incredibly cheap to produce, we will need to have so many options to evolve, to revolve around solar and wind, and there will be some merit order flexibility on the local level, on the national level, whatever. Um, and there will be competing prices uh, and competing technologies, uh, home batteries versus bioenergy and whatever, uh, C&I consumers versus large-scale batteries and pumped hydro and so on. And then we will see a good, a good market. So this is on the, on the generation and maybe also on the, on the supply side, but on the demand side. But what does it mean for, for trading, Richard? I mean, you come from a, from a trading um, background. What does it mean for how we buy and sell electricity or even gas? That's a very good question. But first of all, I'd just like to sort of comment on something that Jan just said, which is which is quite interesting. Where he, you talk about a top-down approach, and I, and I think that that historically has been the case. And one of the things that Nodes is is addressing is a bottom-up approach, is to look at that localized market area, look yep. at setting or creating prices in that area, in order to drive forward the flexibility and make it more available, and create that value that you're seeking um, when you build those assets or when you take ownership of those assets and managing them on behalf of other people. So I think it's really important. And to hear you say that gives me confidence because it means that we're on the right track. Um, So, and this is where the frustration comes in around um, how quickly the market can evolve because we're constrained by regulation, we're constrained by thinking about how the grid is operating. And so um, where we enter into these pilot projects, which is great to prove the concept, we need to think about, well, what do we do after the pilot project? How do we evolve that in order to create the market that it's actually proving can and needs to exist? So I think that's, so I just wanted to comment on that. Um, Richard, going back to your question, which is about the trading element and how that could work. I mean, I think initially what we're looking at on the nodes concept is really about managing the capacity at this point. but where the capacity creates the imbalance and then being able to trade that energy and uh, and uh, manage that imbalance arrangement within the wholesale market there we'll start to see sort of more of the traded element and the value that comes in and you talk about integration Matthias, where we integrate that flex market with the wholesale energy market and then we talk about sort of um, connecting that with the gas market and managing the constraints in those networks as well and so we do see a, a sort of a, a whole new ecosystem materialising about how energy will be managed, how capacity will be managed and how it will be traded. I mean, we're talking about, as, as Richard said, a new, new ecosystem. It sounds incredibly complex as well. I mean, is this, is this a job where the machines will take over, Matthias? Oh, I think that's already taking place. I have in mind that since five, six years it, it has started already that, especially in the intraday market, in the continuous trading there, it started that algos uh, were created and they are taking part in the market and that makes absolute sense. I mean, this is a very fundamental market. There's a lot of products at the same time. I mean, every quarterly hour, every hour is a single product. Um, you have to follow the prices changing. And of course, if you want to optimize your system, if you want to optimize your portfolio, you do a lot of trades there. This is just impossible to do it manually, properly. So it's, uh, to me, it's pretty clear that this is the, the way it goes. And what I have in mind is that already more than half of the volume or so is already done by Algos. It's a brave new world out there. The, the machines could be taking over. That's all we can cover today. That's all from eWorld, from the Montel Weekly Podcast. So so many thanks to you, Richard, to Jan and, and Matthias for, for joining this week. Remember to keep up to date with all the news on, on Montel Online and follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and you can subscribe 
on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And it's goodbye from me. Thank you.